The novel coronavirus continues to spread in Canada, with more than half of cases across the country now being spread within the community and not from returning travelers. More and more Canadians are heading to hospitals and clinics to get tested for the virus or, in more serious cases, enter intensive care. And medical professionals across the country are worried that their last line of defense against the virus, personal protective equipment, won't be available soon. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. Across Canada, we've now surpassed the 10,000 mark of documented cases of COVID-19. And we're on our way to 20,000 or more. And more than a quarter million Canadians have been tested for the virus. Worldwide, there are over a million documented cases. So there's a lot of people seeing nurses, doctors, and other frontline healthcare staff than usual. No kidding. They must be burning up their supplies. We have been, as you know, uh, we've talked about this many times, actively monitoring our supplies of personal protective equipment, recognizing that the protection of our healthcare workers and our healthcare systems is of paramount importance in this outbreak. In the past week, we have seen a dramatic increase in use as we've had more people with COVID-19 in hospital, and we understand the, the absolute need to keep people safe. But the burn rate, as we call it, is much higher than we would have expected, and we are putting in place measures now to try and, and control that and be more efficient and effective in how we're using PPE. We have new shipments on order. We're looking at things like uh, alternative supplies across the board, alternative ways of preserving um, personal protective equipment so it is available both now and in the future. That's BC Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry. Other health professionals and officials in provinces hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, like Ontario and Quebec, and even in provinces that are relatively early in their case numbers, are raising the alarm that personal protective equipment are in short supply. So why is medical personal protective equipment, or PPE, so important in this fight against the novel coronavirus? If we look at it in the context of the COVID-19 crisis, crisis right now. Uh, who's using it? That's Dr. Gigi Osler, past president of the Canadian Medical Association. Frontline nurses, nurse practitioners, doctors, staff in the hospital. Uh, when you're dealing with a, a virus like COVID-19 that is highly contagious and easily spread, Anyone who is coming in contact with somebody who may have it or who definitely has COVID-19, as a healthcare worker, you want to keep yourself as healthy as possible so that you don't either get infected with it and get sick or get it and potentially spread it to another person, your family, or other patients. So it is an essential part of the equipment that healthcare workers use, but especially in epidemics like with COVID-19. So it sounds like it is in high demand just within the healthcare sector. There is a global shortage of personal protective equipment. As the COVID-19 epidemic has crossed the globe, the global demand for all of these supplies has increased. And the shortage of personal protective equipment for frontline healthcare workers is top of mind for everybody in healthcare right now, 
top of mind for hospitals and top of mind for governments as well. So how is this PPE used and why do they need so much? When, as a healthcare professional, dealing with somebody who um, may have COVID-19 or who has COVID-19, hospitals and health authorities are saying the type of protection you need to wear as a healthcare worker is what's called droplet and contact precautions. So a mask, long sleeve gown, gloves that fit well and go over the cuffs of the gown Um, because you could get infected by touching surfaces and that's the contact or by droplets uh, when somebody coughs or sneezes. Now, as a healthcare worker, if you are seeing somebody who may be coughing and sneezing, then you need to take that extra level of precaution and so just a mask alone is not enough and that's where having that face shield, that clear barrier that protects your face, gives you that enhanced level of protection. It is a vital tool. That's Claire Betker, president of the Canadian Nurses Association. But what's really interesting is uh, it's really considered from an infection prevention and control perspective, actually, in lots of ways, the last line of defense. So, Personal protective equipment is used in combination with uh, a lot of other lines, if you will, of defense. Claire, how many nurses are there in Canada, and why is access to PPE so important to them doing their jobs? So in Canada, um, there are right around uh, 430,000 nurses. And that would include licensed practical nurses, registered psychiatric nurses, nurse practitioners, and of course... uh, registered nurses. And nurses are always willing uh, and ready to take care of the public in times of need. Always. Uh, that's that's uh, a given. But nurses are not reckless, um, and they want to be safe. Uh, they have families. They belong to communities, families. They're concerned about their own health. And they want to be able to make informed choices. And uh, there have extremely high levels of knowledge, of skill. They like to make evidence-informed decisions. They're not afraid to be strong leaders in this area. Um, But they want to make informed choices about their own risk, uh, exposure and their own risk, and that of their teams and of their staff. And they really, really want that, uh, those decisions of those choices to be made on consistent clear information uh, that's grounded in the very best available evidence. Um, And they also really want to know that every safeguard is being put in place uh, to protect them. And they're trusting, I think, that we as a system and as a country are going to do that. If you think about it, healthcare workers like paramedics, nurses, respiratory therapists, and doctors are going to work every day to go face-to-face with COVID-19, this invisible enemy. And as Claire said earlier, PPE is the last line of defense. Yeah, and Claire shared a couple of really interesting points about the nurses in Canada and around the world. This is actually the International Year of the Nurse 2020. It was uh, designated the International Year of the Nurse by the World Health Organization uh, in 2000, like last year, in 2019. And the reason why it's the nurse and the midwife, actually the International Year of the Nurse and the Midwife. Who knew, who knew that this would be uh, such an important uh, year for nursing and what we would be called on globally to actually 
uh, do. Um, but why the World Health Organization uh, designated or declared this year as the year of the nurse and the midwife was to shed light on the contributions and sacrifices that uh, nurses and midwives make globally, but also to shed light on the shortage of those uh, valued professions. So it's a really interesting time uh, for nurses, and I just want to say that I have never been more proud, and I've got a 40-plus year career behind me, to say I am a nurse and to be part of that, uh, of that uh, profession. I mean, they are, I'm going to say, the backbone, really the backbone of our health system. So healthcare professionals, those that are seeing cases of COVID-19 that are severe enough to go to the hospital, are in dire need of continued access to personal protective equipment like masks, face shields, gowns, and more items to keep both the healthcare workers, their patients, and anyone else connected to those workers, like family. Doctors in Ontario have even organized collection drives for PPE. But it also sounds like the federal government is stepping up to provide supplies for the provincial health authorities. Public Services and Procurement Canada is aggressively buying in bulk from all available suppliers and distributors. To date, we have ordered millions of swabs, gloves, masks, and other vital equipment. We will need more masks, ventilators, and testing kits. But how many more we need depends entirely on you. The situation is going to get worse before it gets better. The federal government is doing what it can to get PPE to frontline healthcare workers. Hockey equipment manufacturer Bauer has started making face shields for medical use. Quebec-based AMD Medicom is going to make N95 masks for the federal government, and Ottawa has even signed on agreements with five other companies to start making gowns, masks, and hand sanitizer. Don't forget the cases and cases of donated PPE coming to hospitals and medical authorities from private industries own stock. There's a movement afoot to fill in the gaps of professionally made PPE, most of which comes from China. Brian Frischbutter is the president of Calgary-based Birchwood Furniture. After hearing a local homeless centre was looking for donations of PPE, he took a look around his shop and figured he could make some masks for the mustard seed. Uh, We had heard uh, actually a a radio ad with um, mustard seed looking for masks in dire straits for them. And we said, well, you know, we can probably uh, help out in some manner or some fashion. Uh, So we looked at trying to uh, use the materials we had internally to... Uh, change over manufacturing of sofas into manufacturing of masks. And so in a short couple of days, we were able to um, switch over from making furniture into making masks. And I think that's where, where we started with making just a, a couple a day for our, our staff. And then we moved along to see if we could make it into more of a production cycle, starting off very slowly by making, uh, I think the first day we only made about 63. Uh, but then by the end of the week, the last day, we were making up to 500 a day. Uh, they're made of a polypropylene uh, material uh, along with some elastic bands that we wrap around the ears. We found a couple of different um, sources online of where to or how to make them I guess and the sizing and, and um, how to make them. Um, our bottom line was we needed to do test drive them ourselves and see how they fit our own staff here and through that process we were able to come up with our own design. I, I think it's for, for everyday purposes it's definitely not the, they're not medically graded um, N95 masks um, but I think there's definitely a need uh, that we're hearing about for other areas where people are involved with 
um, general public where they're not sure who they're going to bump into or who may or may not have a cough or a sneeze. This is just another way that they can protect themselves and somebody else as well. You know, Dave, what I found interesting in chatting with Brian was here's a second generation business owner who, since the pandemic hit, his business hasn't quite been the same. He could have closed up his shop once all his orders were filled. He could have just told all of his employees to go home and shelter in place until this all blows over. Instead, he decided to help protect the city's less fortunate and those who serve them. And he's keeping his employees working. I also found a group of makers in Calgary who are using 3D printers to make face shields during the pandemic. I recently chatted with Mike Chen, a Calgary-based engineer who's organizing this effort. I got an update from Mike about how his effort is going. They assemble about 30 masks here. Where there's an assembly station with a bucket full of some remaining uh, face shields left. Oh, wow. Um, I guess so. So basically, the first time we talked, it was just me. So I, I'm, I think I'm the first. I'm pretty sure I'm the first group that started this. But a lot of people thought it was in like three days of my group started. Uh, they started printing their own. Basically, everyone kind of joined on 3D Printer Canada's Facebook page, and then because now we're seeing there's two groups, three groups, four groups. Well, they're really small. We see they're popping up. There's uh, this engineering professor from University of Calgary, Dr. Uh, Craig Johansson. He actually is like, okay, we got to focus. So Mm. he helped us organize together and using some of his master's students to help out distribute the workload. So now we, almost every single 3D printer owner in Calgary are now under like just one roof and a maker space on Eastern Calgary. They're now doing the 2D version, which they're using to laser cut. We've now, we're now, we've given some samples to AHS and uh, we're now waiting feedback from them, which is tomorrow. You were saying, you were saying something about how you have, uh, or at least it looks like you just take the shields that are available commercially, I guess, and just printing the brackets for them. Does that make sense? Originally, yeah. Like originally my group, my small group was doing that. Um, That's still an option because we can buy that shield if, our, if our current material is no longer available, but currently, so that one's kind of, we've, had, we, we've designed it for it, and that one just on, kind of on back hold just for, in case for really emergencies. We've had three different types of materials now. So we're, we're still sourcing locally available material, but we're getting them from like on probably unconventional sources. So these two right here are eight and a half by 11 acetate and PVC sheets, like straight up from Staples. And we use a three hole punch. Uh, what have you changed from that first uh, version to this most recent version that you have? I have a collection of all the old original idea and prototypes. Right. So people who start doing this is actually in Europe. This is a very famous Prusa visor. So it's very comfortable, but it's very large. So I basically took that, made a three hole punch version, and made it a little bit smaller for printing, and it also no longer needs elastic. So this one now doesn't need elastic unless you're really, you know, got a really narrow head and it just stays on. So that's that's for the, for the low volume version, that's the iteration process. For our medium volume, we started off with this. This is the Retrolab version five, and we've basically made it fit better, uh, fit better, has a better forehead coverage, and has better tolerances on the visor. 
what are the goals that you, you've got with these, like in, in tweaking these different designs? Like what is the, is there specific standards that you're working to or? or? Yeah. So before, uh, before 48 hours ago, we've been, uh, we've had a limited amount of doctors uh, that, that was able to give us a pl- uh, feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were really adjusting to their, you know, Dr. Wolf from South Health Center was one of the primary ones that gave us a lot of feedback. Dr. Mm-hmm. Michael Wolf. Okay. Um, so using, we're just trying to get as much as feedback from professionals as we can. So we, that's how we made our first huge bunch of revisions. Um, but 48 hours ago, we found out that Health Canada has actually released an emergency 3D printed facial guideline. Could this design be scaled up, say, if somebody has a, an industrial level of, of uh, production cap- uh, capability, capacity? Absolutely. Uh, we have a bunch of people with laser cutters reaching out. Um, I want to drop the name of Xenergy. They're a um, manufacturing company here in Calgary. They have, I think they might have 3D printers and laser cutters for as well. Mm-hmm. Use Makerspace has been our first primary, you know, large-scale manufacturer. I, I would estimate, you know, if for, for everyone that's contacted us, you know, the small guys and the big corporations, and the corporations, we can probably pump out 1500 to 2500 a week if needed. Let's step back a bit here. What is your background in, like, before getting involved with this effort? Ah, so I went to UBC for uh, engineering. Uh, throughout university, I ended up, up doing quite a lot of modeling for some of the clubs we have. And uh, afterwards, I worked on a few startups. Uh, why? Why are you doing this? Well, I guess as engineers, we have a responsibility to use our talent to help you know people who are in need. Um, we like to make things more intentionally. We like to you know we we really like optimization. Since we can't be doctors and helping others, you know, treating the patients. The best we can is at least get these design a very affordable and locally sourceable material and locally produced facial and give it to the hands of others. And basically just the faster we can get the faster we can get through this as a community, the better we all, you know, can come out of this. Those are both great examples of Canadians stepping up to help their fellow neighbors in any way they can. You know, we keep hearing about the new normal and flattening the curve. Medical PPE, to my mind, plays a key role in both of those areas. If healthcare workers who see dozens of patients a day don't have access to PPE, the curve won't flatten as effectively. And perhaps wearing a mask when outside of your home will become the new normal, become a new fashion, like how tuberculosis influenced Victorian-era fashion. But whatever the outcome, the need for personal protective equipment is here now, with shortages being experienced around the world. This Is Why is produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email at thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.